You're listening to The Voluntary Life, where you can hear ideas for finding freedom in an unfree world. Visit thevoluntarylife.com to connect with the show and hear all past episodes. Here's your host, Jake. Hi, it's Jake here. Welcome to The Voluntary Life. I'm very pleased to welcome back a very special guest. I should really say two guests on this week's show, but the first very special guest is my wife, Hannah Brame. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, thank you for having me back again. And the other special guest is our daughter, Freya, who is currently playing with a very crackly sounding toy, uh, which you'll probably hear in the background. Hopefully she will be happy to do that while we're doing this podcast, but we will see. She may put in an appearance. So I wanted to invite you back on this episode because I was thinking about a topic that I know is really relevant for things that you've written and things that you're interested in, and that is designing a life without regret. I remember back in 2009, there was an article that we both read independently, and I remember talking to you about it, called uh, Regrets of the Dying or Top Regrets of the Dying by a nurse who was in palliative care and who had interviewed people about regrets that they had when they were dying. And this article had a big effect on me. I thought it was a very interesting topic. And I thought a lot about what I can learn from it. And I know that you did too. Absolutely. I think one of the things that really struck me about this article was that out of all the resources that we have in life, time is the only one that we can't get back once we've spent it. You know, we all have a finite amount of time on this planet and we don't know how long it's going to be either. And I think that's possibly why this article also struck such a chord globally. You know, it seemed certainly within the Western world, it was shared really widely. It went viral And I think part of the reason that was the case was because it's something that a lot of us don't really like to think about, the fact that we're going to die one day. You know, one morning we're going to wake up and that's going to be our last morning. It's a bit of an existential head screw. (laughs) Um, But I think that's why it's all the more reason to to be really, really conscious about how you're designing your life and, and specifically in the context of what you're talking about to make sure that if you know that that day is coming up, you know, if you happen to be in a situation where... Um, you're coming to the end of your natural life or you have an illness that you don't lie there on your last morning when you wake up thinking gosh I wish I'd done all these things differently and there's so much more I wish I'd done absolutely I remember a very interesting phrase in that book that we reviewed together on a, a previous episode the guide to living the good life and the author of that book I'll put a link in the show notes to that book but the author talks about the danger of misliving which I think is a really interesting phrase the idea that one can have potentially wasted one's life by misliving and for me that means not having lived up to the potential that we have to to really make the most of our lives (laughs) my daughter has a lot to say on that subject as well um so i found that phrase really interesting you know the danger of misliving and i've always been interested in that idea of trying to make the most out of life and trying to design life so that you don't regret at the end that you mislived. I remember as a kid, I, it really struck me that lyric in, there's a lyric in the Pink Floyd song, I think it's Time on the Dark Side of the Moon album, where he says, and then one day you find 10 years have got behind you. No one told you when to run, you missed the starting gun. And I remember as a kid thinking, wow, 10 years is such an epically long time. You know, imagine thinking that 10 years have got behind you, but it actually happens pretty quickly in life that you realize that, 10 years have gone past. And if you haven't been working on the things that really matter to you, then that is 10 years you'll never get back. You know, another song it reminds me of is that Talking Heads song. I can't remember what it's called. You may find yourself living in a 
shotgun shack you may find yeah, yourself it's it's once in a lifetime once in a lifetime thank you yeah I'm not going to try and sing it because I'm going to mangle the lyrics. But if you, yeah, if you go look up "Once in a Lifetime" by Talking Heads, that's pretty much the sentiment that I think we're talking about. Yeah, the, I think the bit that you're thinking of, where he says, "You may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife, and you may ask yourself, how did I, how get, did I get here?" Mm. And you may find yourself. You, I think there's a, a verse as well where they're saying, "This is not my beautiful house." Yes, not, yeah, exactly. and it's the idea that you've you've sort of gone with the flow and made all these. And this is more about a midlife crisis, I think, rather mm. than an end of life crisis, but there's a sense of going with the flow and making all these decisions and then waking up one day and realizing or thinking, hang on a minute, did I really make those decisions? Did I really choose that person and this house? And how did I get here? Yeah, I think that's what midlife crisis is all about. When people experience that is that when you're young, you imagine that you've got forever to sort things out and to live the life that is meaningful and purposeful to you. And then if you get to the age of 40 and you realize that you're not doing any of the things that that matter to you, then, you know, when are you actually going to get to do them? I think that's what the crisis is. Yep. So both of us read this article back in 2009. <laughs> it's Freya's commentary. And I know we both found it really interesting and thought-provoking. I can't remember if we talked about what we planned to do after reading that article, because I... I I did various things with my own journaling and I adopted various practices to try and learn from that article. And I can't remember whether or not we spoke about this. You may well have influenced me because journaling is such is your thing, because I know you wrote an article about this as well, didn't you? I did. So I wrote an article back in 2013, not on Becoming Who You Are on Medium, about uh, basically, I had read an article where somebody had taken these regrets and turned them into to-dos. So taken... Um... Actually, while you're looking for that, I will just quickly read off what the five regrets of the dying are. You, I will put a link in the show notes so you will be able to read the original article itself. But this nurse who worked in palliative care all her life asked many people who were dying if they had any regrets. And she summarized in this article the five most common regrets. And they were, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Ah, yeah. And the fifth one is, I wish I'd let myself be happier. Right. So this guy called Paul Graham, who is apparently a blogger, developer and entrepreneur, he took these regrets and he turned them into commandments or to do's, however you want to call them. And he basically says he, he added, started adding these things to the top of his to do list. So he inverted the regrets. So he came up with don't ignore your dreams, don't work too much, say what you think, cultivate friendships, be happy. So I saw that and I thought, that's great. But how do you keep yourself accountable to that? How do you know if you're doing those things? And also, how do you know, you know, they're all quite big abstract things like saying, don't ignore your dreams. That's a pretty big thing to commit yeah. to, you know, and it's quite vague as well. Um, and so how, how do you bring that down from something that is quite big and quite abstract and quite far reaching into a day-to-day -day life level? So I came up with a series of journaling prompts for full disclosure, I haven't used these for a while, but I used for a while after this article came out just to, for, for myself to think about, okay, well, how am I actually doing those things in my day-to-day -day life? Or how am I getting as close as possible to doing those things in my day-to-day -day life? Um, because just to say, you know, I think it's, 
it's really possible that you will live as conscious a life as possible and still have regrets at the end, you know, still look back with the gift of hindsight and still look back, you know, not as a thought experiment of if I were on my deathbed, what would I think? But, oh, I am on my deathbed now. And that could be quite a different experience than any of us could imagine. And there might be things that come up during that time that we do regret or that we do wish we'd done differently. Um, And so part of this for me is also making peace with the fact that, yeah, you know, I, I could live as richly and as fully as I possibly can in any given day and I might still have regrets at the end of my life and that's that's okay I just want to minimize them (laughs) essentially um so these questions I wouldn't say they're perfect but they were the 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 things that I came up with so should I read them out yeah please cool so the idea I came up with was to do this at the end of each month so for the month just gone to ask what moments of meaningful connection have I experienced over the past month and that's related to I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends the second one was what was the most boldly authentic thing I did over the past month, which is I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Third question is, when did I dare greatly, which is a phrase I borrowed from Brené Brown, and most behave in a way that was true to myself? And that comes from, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. The fourth question is, what was the most fun I had during the last month? When was I most relaxed? And that comes from, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And then the fifth question was, when was I happiest during the past month? And that comes from, I wish I'd let myself be happier. And so then I translate those questions into an envisioning process for the month ahead. So what could I do to truly connect with someone in the month ahead? Is there anything that I haven't expressed my feelings about? What could I do to express them? How can I dare greatly during the next month? You can tell I was reading a lot of Brady Brown when I wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the thing can I do in the month ahead that has nothing to do with work? What will make me no holds barred happy over the next month? What can I do to make that happen? Right, absolutely. And just for people who want to read that list, we will definitely put a link in the show notes to your article and to the original article by the guy who made to-do items and, of course, to the regrets of the dying. I've I've, I've linked to a Life Hathcart article about Paul Graham's article in my article. Perfect. So I'll put put all of that. I'll put all of that. And I do remember now, I definitely was influenced by your thoughts on this and you writing that article because I also did my own exercise in journaling, which I did from about 2013 until now. So for the last three years. And I found it a really useful and interesting exercise. And so I'll tell you about mine in a minute. But first of all, tell me about how that exercise worked for you. Um, How long did you do it for and what did you get out of it? I think I did it for over a year in the end. I found it really helpful because in the end, I ended up starting other kinds of journaling and so on. And so it sort of got pushed out just because there's there's so much that you could do in terms of personal development. Mm. And I just don't have time to do it all but for the time that I was doing it um, I can't remember exactly how long it was but I think it was about a year or more than a year it was really helpful because a lot of those things are things that I think I know I certainly avoid because they can be really uncomfortable in the moment Mm. so even things like really truly connecting with someone if it's a fairly new friendship or if it's someone that for example you know you've kind of admired from afar for a while or someone you've been wanting to reach out to for a while but you haven't right those can be they can be really positive experiences but they're also kind of uncomfortable sometimes it requires a level of vulnerability um expressing feelings is the same thing right and these are all things that i think all, all the regrets are things that i think end up being regrets because they are things that are hugely beneficial to us in the long term and you know they have a huge snowball effect on our satisfaction with others in the long term but the actual practice of doing them the actual practice of doing them and living what it is like to do those things can be pretty freaking uncomfortable mm. so i think that for me that was the main takeaway was that 
it sounds like a cliche, but sometimes in life, the things that are most worth doing are the things that are the most uncomfortable. And also, you know, it taught me a lot about the difference between doing something that is uncomfortable in the short term for long term benefits and not just kind of avoiding something or being willfully ignorant of areas of our lives because they feel a little bit uncomfortable to address in the short term. Mm. And just uh, practically speaking, did you choose to do these in the morning or um, did you and did you just write it by hand or did you just think about it? Or what, what was the process? So I did it as part of my monthly review. I have a monthly review that right. I go th- through anyway for my personal life and my business. And um, I just incorporated it into that. And then what I did is um, for the reflections or for the for the reflections for the month ahead, I turned them then into to, to-do items. So I kind of did something similar to what Paul Graham did, but for me personally, I just found it a lot easier to bring it down into, okay, here's actual tangible steps that I'm going to take in the month ahead. Like here's a list of people um, I'm going to connect with. It turned into a list of people, but initially just started with one person because again, you know, going back to that sense of discomfort, I think if it is something that we feel uncomfortable about, we want to make it as easy as possible for ourselves to do it and, you know, take baby steps and start small and build up from there. So initially it was just one person. So then I could put on my to-do list, okay, connect with this person. You You mean like a different person each month or... Yeah, yeah, which doesn't sound like a lot, and it's really not a lot, but then that's 12 people in the year that you wouldn't have connected with otherwise, and yeah. between, you know, 24 people over two years. And obviously, you could you could do more. I started with that. Yeah, and then, you know, what awesome thing can I do in the month ahead that has nothing to do with work? That was pretty fun to think about. <laughs> and that was, that again, that was something that could just go straight onto my calendar amongst all my other appointments to make sure that I didn't think, oh, yeah, great, I'll, I'll definitely get around to that. And then it kind of gets lost in the day-to-day busyness. Cool. I think that's really interesting and really helpful. And I remember being inspired by that because I I also adopted a very similar uh, approach to journaling to use this exercise to keep myself on track with my higher purpose and towards my goals in life. Shall I tell you about my questions? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I adapted basically the same process as, as you. And the way that I did it was to make a list of questions to ask myself and ask myself regularly. I did it every week and I sometimes deferred it so it's probably on average it was probably about once every week and a half two weeks that I did this and my questions were very similar prompts to try and remind me of the core topics both from that regrets of the dying thing and also from other things that are relevant for me and I did it in this uh, form of sentence stem so I wanted to make this as fast and, and easy as possible so I wrote out a bunch of sentence stems to complete and I just in that way i could do it really quickly so the sentence stems that i used were the most courageous expression of my feelings at the moment would be and that was relating directly to that thing from mm-hmm. the regret about not expressing your feelings if i were to let myself be happier i would and that was relating to the one about working too much and then a bunch of these other ones are some of them are related to the regrets of the dying and some are related to other things that are important to me. So I had the best opportunity for quality time this week is, and that was really to think about our relationship and opportunities to make the most of that. Then I had um, the most extraordinary thing that I can work on these days is the best thing I can do to get more transparency in what I do these days is the best opportunity for automation in what I do these days is the thing that I'm doing regularly that I'm least inspired by is We are at our best these days when, that again is about Mm. us, the thing I'm most concerned about going wrong this week is, the way I would handle it is, the thing I am most resisting at the moment is, 
And the most audacious goal that I haven't fully admitted to myself is... It's quite a long list, but they're all sentence stems which only require like one or two words to complete the sentence. And the, the way that I approached it was just to do it as quickly as possible and just to write down the first thing that came into my head unfiltered. And I found that process very helpful. And I would do it every week or every couple of weeks. And I, I even have a text expander snippet. So I use this program where if you type a key combination then it will bring up a bunch of text for you and you can sort of fill it in like a form so i could just complete these sentences really quickly and easily can i just jump in and say i love those sentences i think they're awesome and uh, i am definitely going to borrow them <laughs> with your permission and one thing i wanted to clarify with you because obviously sentence stems are a an exercise developed by Nathaniel Brandon and when he does his he suggests doing multiple endings do you do multiple endings or do you just stick to writing one thing well I only I only do one thing because it takes a little bit of thinking to try and do this every you know to do it every week it is an effort and I wanted to make it as fast as possible so I only do one thing but the interesting thing is if you do the same sentence stems every week then what you can also do is you can analyze the results and you can look at, for example, for each of these questions, take a question like, the thing that I am most resisting at the moment is. Mm. You can look at what you wrote for that every week for the last three years and see what the patterns are, you know, of, of what you've been resisting. And also, for example, the thing that the most important thing that I can work on at the moment is that, again, mm. if you find yourself doing typing the same thing every week, and you're not getting to it, then you know that's that's an issue. I did that a lot when I was really struggling with my books. You know, when I was struggling with a difficult part of writing, I know the most important thing to work on is finishing that book. But sometimes if I've got a block on what to do next, then I, don't, I wasn't doing it. And that was a kind of reminder to me that really this is what I should be getting on with. Absolutely. I imagine it must also be quite interesting to look at relationships between your answers to different questions. So as just as you might analyse your answers to individual questions from the last three years or so. You know, you mentioned most important work and what you're resisting most. And I imagine sometimes there might be some correlation in there as well. And it, I imagine that could be quite a an interesting exercise too, is to look at the relationship between all these things. Yeah, definitely. I think there's real value in just getting things out of your head when you do it. So there's a value in, in kind of making oneself aware of these things when you write the questions down, when you finish the sentences each week. But then there's also a different value that comes from the analysis of it later. And I only did that recently for the first time in three years. I made a big spreadsheet and I sorted all the questions so I could see all the answers to one question together, you know, and look at them like a list of answers. And it was very, very interesting. I will say that not every question was as useful as every other one. Which questions did you find more useful than others? Well, things like the most extraordinary thing I can work on these days is that's a useful question because that really kept me focused on, you know, what is important. But I had, for example the best opportunity for automation in what I do these days is. And frankly, that one was helpful in reminding me that there's stuff that I can automate, but it's not the kind of thing that I really needed to ask myself every week. You know, it wasn't, I didn't get that much value out of doing it. And I'm actually going to uh, adjust my questions. The other thing is that I noticed that I didn't put friendship 
in here, I put that as a to-do item to contact a friend, a bit like you did. Right. Whereas I think it actually would have been useful to say what would be the one thing I could do to support my friendships or uh, to uh, invest in my friendships, you know, mm-hmm. as a question rather than just as a, to- as a to-do item. So in terms of the things that I got from it, I definitely found some questions more useful than others. I really found it helpful doing it. And I I would suggest if for anyone who struggles with journaling, if you don't really get a lot out of just sitting in front of a journal, because I know that some people sit in front of a journal and there's just a blank page and they don't know what to do. And I felt like that um, when I very first started journaling as well. This is a tool that you can use to just like do a really fast bit of journaling every I did it every week um, just to get some stuff out of your head I would also say that I think once a week at most is when this would be useful I think it'd be more it would kind of get annoying to me if I had to do it more often than that because there is a time investment involved and also if you do it too often I think it's harder to take it on board and take it seriously you know yeah you need to actually do the stuff that you're writing about as well (laughs) exactly otherwise you're just talking about it to yourself yeah Um, Something that just came to mind as well is that I imagine for it's going to be different for each of us. This is such a personal thing that maybe for me, for example, some of those things would be really useful to look at weekly and other things to look at monthly. And for you, you might have a list of stuff that's useful to look at weekly and that's useful to look at monthly. And it might be different because different things are going on in your life or you want to pay attention to different things and so on. So I I think it's definitely a, you know, the, the one of the things that strikes me from our conversation about it is that it's something that we should definitely tailor according to our own individual needs and what's going on in our lives and what we know or feel that we most need to focus on as well. Yeah, for sure. And as I said, you may also find that you end up having put some questions in there that are less useful and then you can, <laughs> and then you can just adjust it and, and change the questions. <laughs> I think Freya has been very patient with us, but probably is getting a bit bored of this now. So we should wrap up. But is there anything else that you wanted to add about this whole process and ideas that you had? Yeah, when we first talked about having this conversation um, yesterday or the day before, you know, I think one of the things that struck me about avoiding regrets is it's really about self-awareness and self-knowledge. And, you know, knowing knowing what is important to us, knowing what our values are and consciously creating our lives around those things and also being able to separate out the things that we think we should do versus the things that we know we must do because they're essential to our core sense of being. You know, I think I think a lot of shoulds come from other people. And so if we live a life based on shoulds, we are more likely to set ourselves up for regrets later on. Whereas if we do the things, um, there's a great bit called The Crossroads of Should and Must by a woman called, I think her name is Ellie Luna. And she talks about this, the difference between things that we think we should do and things that we just absolutely must do. Because they are they are things that ultimately, if we didn't do them, we would lie on our deathbeds and deeply, deeply regret it. But all, all of that, I think, really comes back to self-awareness and self-knowledge, which again, are two really kind of intangible, <laughs> abstract things. But I think they really start with the day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month so we've been talking about process of reflecting on how am I taking these ideas and making them real in my own life? Yeah, the way I see it, this is an exercise that helps me be an advocate to myself of the things that are most important to me and the things that really matter to me in life. Because as you say, there's all these shoulds that come from the external world, from other people, from your society in general and so forth. So 
if you don't have an advocate for yourself, if you don't actually talk to yourself about what's really important to you, then all these external messages will just wash over you and pull you in a direction that may not be the one that really matters to you. And this, to me, is a way of just talking to myself and having that conversation about, okay, what is the most important stuff to be doing right now? What really matters to me? And what would push me forward to living the best life that I can live and the fullest life that I can live, being the best version of myself that I can be? And this conversation through these like very brief sentence stems that I complete is one way of, of really designing a life without regrets. Mm. And you know, something that strikes me from these regrets is that they're all about things that people didn't do. And I think that's really interesting is there's no one is in there saying, you know, gosh, I really regret doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. I mean, people say I wish I hadn't Having tried so and hard. failed, for example. Yeah, it, people do say I wish I hadn't worked so hard, but I would say most of them um, off the top of my head are actually about things that they didn't do more than they're about things that they did do. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I will put links in the show notes to everything that we've uh, talked about, all the articles. Also, people can find you at your website, becomingwhoyouare.net. Yeah. Thank you so much for inspiring me three years ago to do this exercise and for all the things that you inspire me to do. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your sentence stems as well. You know, having, having this conversation with you today has made me think, gosh, I, I really want to start reviewing these things again. Because like I said, it's been a while since I was doing them regularly. And especially hearing your stems, I think that's going to be a really nice, fresh approach to to looking at these things in my own life and making sure I'm reviewing them on a weekly basis. That's all for this episode. Let us know how you get on and what you think about this. Love to hear your own thoughts about designing a life without regrets. And if you do start journaling and using these kind of sentence stems, good luck and let us know how you get on. Thank you for listening to The Voluntary Life. If you have feedback about the show, please email jake at thevoluntarylife.com. If you enjoyed this program, please share the podcast with your friends or click the donate button on thevoluntarylife.com.